Hey, what's up, Teachers on Fire? Picture this. You're lying in bed minutes away from going to sleep. You're looking lazily at your phone, trying to keep your eyelids open, and you notice a new email. It's from a parent of one of your students, and the subject line sounds emotional. Uh-oh. Your blood pressure skyrockets as you scan the opening lines. You put the phone down beside your bed, but it's too late. You're already rehearsing responses and worrying about how much time this issue is going to steal from you the next day. Bye-bye, sleep. On another evening, you're trying to focus on a complex task of some kind for school and your phone starts buzzing repeatedly. You think to yourself, who's messaging me like a madman right now? You try to recenter your focus on the project, but now you just can't shake the question. You pick up your phone, thinking to yourself, I'll just see who it was. Fatal mistake. The teacher chat is popping off with questions about an event happening at school the next day and someone is reaching out to you for support. As one of the more experienced members of the team, you're one of the few who can actually share resources and answer questions. You jump in and now you're living in the chat for the next 30 minutes while your project sits silently waiting. Now these are well-known problems in teacher land and the fingers often get pointed angrily at the origins of the messaging. Why do they need to send me an email so late in the evening? How dare they message me on my weekend? Why won't they respect my time? First, one well-traveled solution that I've heard a lot of in the last few years is for teachers and administrators to schedule all emails. Never send it in real time on an evening or a weekend. Always schedule it for the next school day morning. Or so the thinking goes. I tried to hold on to that religiously for a while, but I noticed some problems and shortcomings with this practice. Problem number one. Scheduled emails can waste everyone's time. Let's say that a teacher emails three colleagues for a solution to a problem they're facing. It's entirely possible for all three colleagues to craft lengthy, thoughtful, detailed replies and schedule them all for Monday morning. When the three replies are delivered on Monday morning, it turns out there's a whole lot of redundancy and overlap between them. They're all essentially saying the same things. At least two of those three senders completely wasted their time. Problem number two. Scheduled emails can also create confusion. For example, a thoughtful decision and reply that was crafted on a Saturday morning and scheduled for a Monday morning delivery has now been rendered utterly useless and irrelevant thanks to a reply crafted on Sunday night. Now we've got two conflicting decisions and replies, one with outdated information, both sitting in the teacher's inbox on a Monday morning. Problem number three with scheduled emails, they can create more teacher stress than ever. Just put yourself in the shoes of a teacher who comes into school on a busy Monday morning, let's say a day with no prep blocks, and they are greeted by an avalanche of emails written by colleagues and administrators since Friday at 3.30pm thanks to the schedule all emails rule. They don't have an hour or two to read all of those emails and act on the information inside of them, and so as a result, they're going through the whole day feeling very behind. I'm not convinced that's such a blessing for teacher mental health. Feeling some doubts about this whole scheduled email practice, I went to teacher Twitter to get a sense of their preference. I posted a poll and 189 responded. The question was, which do you prefer? Option A. Admins email you at any time on the weekends. You check your inbox if and when you feel like it and you have no obligation to do so. Option B. Admins schedule all emails to arrive in your inbox at 7am on Monday mornings, leading to flurries of emails. As I suspected, the majority of teachers would actually prefer the option, not the mandate, of reading school-related communication on the weekends if and when they want to, rather than the Monday morning avalanche. So if scheduled emails aren't the answer, we're still left with the phone anxiety that I described at the top. How can we keep digital communication in its place and make sure we're communicating on our terms and not on someone else's? Well, as Dave Ramsey likes to say, you have to be sick and tired of being sick and tired in order to make real 
real and painful changes in your life. Perhaps you're there with emails and notifications on your phone. Wherever you are in this conversation, here are two radical phone moves that will transform your wellness and teaching experience. Habit number one, leave your phone out of the bedroom at night. What if I told you there was one simple change that you could make in your life that would produce all of the following? Less stress about work, less blue light in your eyes throughout the day, less electronic activity near your body, more sex, more sleep, more reading, more pillow talk, more journaling and reflection. That's right, leaving your phone out of the bedroom will produce all of those results and more, I guarantee it. I started this practice a few years ago and find it easily one of the most personally transformative changes I've ever made. It's one of those simple but hard moves that absolutely anyone can make that costs nothing. Even beyond the bullet list of benefits that I just mentioned, there's a certain quality of mind that's hard to describe and impossible to quantify when your phone is not on the same floor as you. It's like going off the grid, but better. And you can do it. Of course, I've heard all the reasons why people can't make a similar move to keep their phone out of their bedroom at night. I need my phone for an alarm clock. I need to be available for my adult children. I need to be available in case of emergencies with my staff or at the school. Most of this amounts to what if and FOMO. I say this with all respect. You can relax. You'll be okay without your black mirror beside your head while you sleep, just as the superintendents and principals and teachers of 30 years ago were. They made it, and so will you. Habit number two keeping your phone permanently on do not disturb. As Tristan Harris points out in The Social Dilemma, things that are actually tools don't control us. They don't call to us. They don't insist on breaking our focus. Tools do what we want them to when we want them to. They are humble servants. It's for that reason that I don't want to hear from my phone at all, ever. Turning my phone's ringer off is a good place to start, but that isn't enough for me. I don't want vibrations from my phone when it's sitting in my pocket or on a surface. I also don't want my phone waking up or lighting up with notifications, even if they're silent. If I'm occupied with a task, I want radio silence and a phone screen that stays dark. And that's what I get. By leaving my phone on Do Not Disturb 24-7, my phone never, or almost never, lights up, vibrates, or rings. I'm calling that 168 wins per day. That's approximately how many notifications I would be receiving if I didn't have Do Not Disturb on. Now, I can't speak to Androids, but iPhones allow a small loophole for the conditions I've described here. If I've tagged a contact as a favorite, their calls and messages will come through. That means that my wife, kids, parents, and school administrators can still reach out, call, and text me. As a husband, parent, and vice principal, I'm realistic enough to realize that some exceptions to the do not disturb rule must be made. For the rest of the world, including my friends and colleagues, they're still welcome to message me at any time on iMessage, Google Chat, Facebook Messenger, WhatsApp. I leave badges on those apps, and so I will see that I've received a message next time I purposely and intentionally turn my phone on. But at least there, I'm coming to the message on my own terms and when it's convenient for me. I'm not allowing others to barge in on my work and disrupt my focus absolutely anytime they please. Now this discussion wouldn't be complete without at least addressing the scorched earth method. I know at least one colleague who refuses to have any work communication, including email or Google chat on his phone. And I know there are others who believe in that level of compartmentalization. I respect the intention here, but I'm not interested. To me, the ability to read and and respond to emails or DMs from my team when it's convenient for me is far too valuable. My logic is that if I can read and respond to 30 emails while I'm standing in a Costco lineup or sitting in a car waiting for a family member, I've just bought 15 minutes of time that I don't have to spend at my email inbox and I can use for other things. Or let me put it this way, if I removed all school email and messaging apps from my phone, 
I'm giving up great opportunities to fend off email mountain that a typical day provides. Instead, I'm choosing to spend either more time at the school or more of my home time on work. I don't like either of those two options. I think the ideal is to keep all options open and respond to school communication on my terms. When I want to, when it's convenient, and when I have the emotional energy to do so. Now listen teachers, these are two radical phone suggestions and I know the majority watching this video will not follow either one. And that's okay. It's not my intention to give you another should. But if I hear you complaining about school communication and emails coming to you at all times of the evening or on weekends, I'm going to remind you of something. You're not a victim of some angry parent or overzealous administrator. When you take control of your phone, you take control of your sanity. Give these two phone habits a chance. The results just might change your life and bring back your fire for teaching. Hey teachers, if you watched this video, thank you so much for joining me. Keep that fire for learning burning bright and I'll catch you in the next video. Bye-bye.